Come Holy Spirit, we pray. Open our hearts to your word as you open your word to our hearts. We may perfectly love the one that you have sent to be the revelation of your glory in this world. Amen. Well, Psalm 96 is the most fantastic call to all nations, to everyone in the world and to all creation to come and worship the one who is coming, the one who we know now as Jesus, the Messiah, the Lord, not just Yahweh, but the Lord of all and King of kings. And we're invited to sing a new song Sing to the Lord, all the earth, says the psalmist. Sing to the Lord, praise his name, proclaim his salvation day after day. A continual offering of praise and thanksgiving from the whole world. This is a global perspective that the psalmist is painting for us. And to the people Israel, they are to declare his glory among the nations his marvellous deeds among all peoples, they are to be a witness to this light that is now coming into the world. <coughs> Why are they to do this? Because in verse 4, for great is the Lord and worthy of all praise. We worship God because he is worth it. That word worship comes from worthiness, being worthy of our worship. That's why we worship God. Just as he loves us because he loves us, <laughs> we worship him because he is worthy of all worship. In Matthew's Gospel, we read of how this prophecy, prophetic psalm as it were, was fulfilled in those coming from the other side of the world, the Far East, came and worshipped. It's a tremendous reminder from Matthew, who always brought in the Old Testament and the wider perspective into his Gospel, of how in Jesus we see people who are far off being drawn to the light, being guided by the light to Jesus. And we know from other passages in the New Testament and Old that one day all will come and worship. They will come and worship. They don't worship him now. A tiny number of people compared to the whole population of the world worship the King of Kings. But one day, one day, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Whether they want to worship him or not, they will be on their knees in the power and presence of the God who is Lord of all the earth. And so the hymn writer 
encourages and gives us words to say to each other, as it were, and to speak out to the nations if they could but hear. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Bow down before him, his glory proclaim with gold of obedience and incense of lowliness. Kneel and adore him, for the Lord is his name. This is how we are to worship, in the beauty of holiness. What does that mean? Well, many scholars looking at the words that are used in the psalm, which is used in verse 9, worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness, tremble before him all the earth. The word can certainly mean beautiful things and in robes that were used in the temple worship, in fine attire, put on your best togs, make it possible for God to know that we are offering him the best, the most beautiful that we can offer to him. But there's something more to beauty that is involved in worship which we'll come on to in a moment. But the whole idea of the holiness of God, the otherness of God, the set-apartness of God speaks of how we are to come in worship. We're not to come in worship as we do in any other way. For the word holy means different, set apart, incredibly special. And so when we come to worship God, we do so recognizing that he is other. He's not just one of us, our mate. God is utterly different. And yet in Jesus comes so close that we can have access and intimacy with him. And it's in holiness that we bow down before him. Those were the responses of those magi, those people who were so learned and so used to exploring the mysteries of life in their own country. They bowed down. They submitted themselves completely before this God that they saw as this baby. And his glory was so great that just as the shepherds could only go back from the encounter with Jesus, so they went home and spoke of what they had experienced. But they offered their worship with gold and incense. Gold of obedience, says the hymn. Why gold of obedience? Well, gold, of course, represented the, the kingship of this baby. They were prophetic, symbolic gifts, weren't they? The gold representing him as king. And of course, the king was to be obeyed. You were in total submission to the king because his power was ultimate. Jesus invites us to come with voluntary obedience, willingly given in humility. It's what we offer to him because he is Lord. And I will do, Lord, what you have commanded me to do. 
and incense of lowliness. That incense speaking of the prayers of God's people that are offered in faith and in trust and in a pleading to God for his mercy. Incense that was offered in the temple that spoke of the otherness, the worship of the holiness of God. Obedience and lowliness, that is how we are to come before him, to kneel and adore him. For the Lord is his name. And so the hymn continues. In this wonderful <coughs> picture being painted of what worship can mean. Lo at his feet thy burden of lo at his feet lay thy burden of carefulness. Now, when somebody is full of care, it's not saying necessarily that they are a very careful, caring person. It has here the implication that when you are full of care, you're full of anxiety. That you are feeling, you know, when you say to your grandchild or daughter or whatever it is, climbing up a tree, oh, do be careful! You know, don't want you to fall down. There's an anxiety about it. And I have to be very careful that uh, I don't say that too often to my grandchildren. I don't want to stop them being adventurous and being icons of exploration. If you've been watching the television program uh, about that lately. I want them to be adventurous for God. But at the same time, I'm anxious when they're going towards trouble. Ooh. But Jesus doesn't want us to be anxious about anything. In fact, in 1 Peter 5 verse 7, the apostle writes, Cast all your cares upon the Lord, all your anxieties upon him, because he cares for you. He loves you with that love that will not let you go. And we can lay all our cares, all our anxieties down before God. And that's part of our worship, part of our praying, part of our pouring out our hearts before him. For high on his heart, he will bear it for thee. It's his priority. High on his heart. It's a high on his heart. It's just something that he really, really wants to meet you at your point of need. It's his priority. And he bears it for you. Surely he took all our infirmities. He bore all our sin, all our anxiety writes Isaiah on that cross. He will comfort thy sorrows. The comforter, Jesus sends, strengthens you and answers thy prayerfulness, guiding thy steps as my, may best for thee be. Isn't that great? God knows the way that is best for us. And when we trust him, he will take us on that journey. And when we listen to him, he will, we will cooperate and he will lead us into that place. Because he has at our heart, at his heart, the best for us. He guided the steps of those magi. And Jesus will guide us by his spirit. Guide us away from evil, as was the case with those Visitors from the east who did not go back to Herod because the Holy Spirit guided them not to go back, do you remember? 
and into a future that was different for them. A future that they would never be the same in. This hymn is so full of rich imagery. The writer speaks of not fearing to enter his courts in the slenderness of the poor wealth thou wouldst reckon as thine. We are not to come with fearfulness, although we are to fear the Lord in the sense of hold him with huge reverence. And yet we are to come with confidence that he will accept what we give when it's given with love and thankfulness. The writer here speaks about the slenderness of the poor wealth thou wouldst reckon as thine. <laughs> you know, I sometimes think, you know, you know, like Stina Rossetti's hymn, you know, what have I to give him, poor as I am? You know, I can only give a small amount. But we can give what God has prompted us to give. And as our offerings, and it's interesting we call them offerings, I hate this term about a collection. You know, <laughs> I hate using the phrase, we're going to have the collection now, as if we're going to collect, go whip round, a quick whip round for God, and put, put a few coins in there, you know, and that would be fine, a tip for God. No, it's, that's nothing to do with it. We're having a collection for the church because we're short of money. We bring an offering. We bring an offering as an act of worship. And so we think about, we pray about, we plan what we are going to bring. We're encouraging everybody to be part of the planned giving scheme. So that we're not bringing cash, we're bringing <coughs> envelopes with thoughtful, prayerful giving in them. Or we're giving thoughtfully and prayerfully as we make standing orders through the bank so that gift aid can be claimed back. Everything can be done with a real sense of I'm offering my best to you, Lord. I'm not giving you what's left over, I'm giving you the first because you are the one who deserves the best I can bring. It may not be very much, it's a poor wealth that I bring, but Lord, I bring it from my heart and I want to give it to you because you're worthy of everything that I have because you've loved me so much. And so we come with this sense of entering his courts with thankfulness and love. Truth in its beauty and love in its tenderness. These are the offerings to lay on his shrine. And so we bring what we have. We bring who we are truthfully and honestly and lovingly before God. And these, though we bring them in trembling and fearfulness, he will accept. He accepts that offering of worship when it's from our hearts with humbleness and genuineness for the name that's dear and mornings for joy of joy give for evenings of tearfulness instead of that sorrow and sadness when we worship God we find ourselves uplifted don't we we find the joy returning as we come before our holy God 
trust for our trembling and hope for our fear. So as God receives, he gives us joy and hope and trust. And as we give, we receive. Such is a dynamic of worship. So in conclusion, this hymn, which is based on these great words of scripture, reminds us that worship is not a one-off action that we do from time to time when we come to church. Rather, it is the continual movement toward God that in our lives we bring day by day as we come near in Jesus Christ. He invites us to bow down and worship him because he is worthy of all worship. Let us pray. Father, we are in awe of the privilege of being able to worship you, to come close, to give and to receive your love. We pray that you would move in our hearts afresh the beginning of this year, that our eyes may be focused on you and that we might <coughs> rejoice in the glory that is revealed to us in Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Amen.